Let's just open with a word of prayer as we come uh, to God's word this morning. Jesus, we thank you that you're here. You're in the midst of the church. Jesus, we want to set our hearts on you. We want to set our hearts on the things of your kingdom. Lord Jesus, we want to welcome you here into your church. And we pray, Father, that you uh, would allow your spirit to just speak to us this morning, to strengthen us, to encourage us uh, from the word of God. And we ask your blessing upon our time in the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. Just going to look at one verse this morning. A little different, thought we'd go a little different direction. It says this, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul talks here about the boast of the Christian, but what does the world boast in? You know, when you think about what the world boasts in, I'm reminded of what it says in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 through 24, where the Lord says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this. That he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Men boast in their wisdom. You know, mankind boasts in its wisdom. The popular school of thought seems to be that throughout history, humankind has been on this ever-progressing journey of self-improvement, self-realization, evolving into some sort of wise, wise being, and yet... Uh, those who often profess to be so wise, of, as we've seen within our culture, often deny the very existence of God. And the word of God tells us that it's the fool who is said in his heart, there is no God. People far smarter than me, people far smarter uh, than you do not know God. But through the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord said, let him who boasts, boast in this, that he knows me and that he understands me. You know, Jesus himself said that unless you become like a child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, you know, certainly there is a sense that, that God is truly unknowable, isn't he, to the human intellect. No man knows the Father except the Son and to those whom the Son reveals him. That is why Jeremiah said this, if you want to boast in something, boast in this. I know the Lord. I know the Lord. Boast that you know God. Because there's, far, there's people far smarter than you and I who don't know Jesus. There's one thing that both the wise and the fool have in common, and it's this. Both die. The wise person and the fool, no matter how wise men might become, they will not escape death, the scripture says. And at the point of death, human wisdom has no value for the man who does not God, know God. See, men boast in wisdom, but they also boast in their might. Look at how people strive to attain a, a beautiful body or the perfect physique. I mean, do you realize how hard I have to work to maintain this, this figure? <laughs> you guys laughing at me. You know, no matter how you struggle to have the perfect body and might, you cannot outrun what? Gravity. Paul came to that realization 
He shared with his son in the faith, Timothy. I, I don't know if Timothy was into pumping iron and working out and mountain biking and whatever he was into, but uh, maybe into his physique. But Paul said this to him, look, Timothy, physical training is of some value, but godliness holds value in all things, holding promise for both this present life and the life to come. You can have a might and power and men boast in that. Men boast in their riches. As the popular saying goes, he who dies with the most toys wins. Our culture loves its riches, its possessions. You do realize, you know, that most of the world, of course, looks at us, the Western culture, and envies what we have. They envy us. And yet the reality is, is, you know, I struggle, you struggle to have contentment with the very possessions that I have with my car, with my clothes, you know, with my house, whatever it is. I think of King David who lived much better than you and I in a much, much nicer home. And he said this, those who trust from Psalm 149 or Psalm 49, those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches. Truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life for the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice that he should live on forever and never see the pit. For he sees that even the wise die, the fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their homes forever, their dwelling places to all generations, though they called lands by their own names. See, all the money in the world can't buy the freedom and redemption from sin that we have found in Christ Jesus. And Jesus challenged his disciples to lay up riches, lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. Eternal riches with true value and true wealth. In fact, Paul said that the riches that we have actually as followers of Christ, the riches that we have in Christ are unsearchable. Judges chapter seven, verse two, the Lord said to Gideon, Remember the story of Gideon and that great battle against the Midianites? Well, speaking to Gideon as he began to prepare his armies and get ready for war, the Lord said to Gideon, he said, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands. Lest Israel boast and say, my own hand saved me. See, men boast. And men boast in this statement, my own hand saved me. Isn't that the cry of mankind's heart? My own hands saved me. You know, sometimes I would say God works in our lives and he stacks the odds so badly against us that when deliverance come, we actually realize that the victory is the Lord's and belongs to him. The victory is God's. You know, some of you right now are maybe uh, facing things in life on human levels that appear to have insurmountable odds. And I might ask you, could it be that the Lord has stacked the odds against you so that victory comes, when victory comes, you'll have no choice but to boast in the Lord. You know, Gideon, in that story against the battle of the Midianites, the scripture tells us that when he began to assemble his army, that he had 32,000 soldiers against 135,000 Midianites. And we know the story, what the Lord said to, to Gideon. He said, you have too many. 
Israel will boast saying my own hand saved me. So the Lord reduced the number in Gideon's army and the men that were fearful left. And then the numbers were 10,000 to 135,000. And the Lord again said to Gideon, you have too many. Israel, Israel will boast my own hand saved me. And finally, the Lord took that army and he whittled it down from 10,000 to 300 guys that were probably too fat to get down and lap the water like a dog. 300 versus 135,000. And at that point, the Lord said to Gideon, now when you win the victory, your lips will confess the Lord saved us. The Lord saved us. See, Paul, the apostle figured this out. And he said this in Galatians chapter six, verse 14, far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Far be it from me. When Paul's saying that, hear the confession of this man. He's saying, forbid it, Lord. Don't let it come off my lips. Remove it. May it be distant and remote from me. Be it not so, Lord, that I would boast in anything except for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, when we talk about boasting, we're talking about talking with excessive pride, self-satisfaction about one's achievements, possessions, or abilities. And Paul says this, now if I'm going to boast, it'll be Jesus. If I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in the cross of my Savior. You know, think about that. Why would anyone boast in the cross? Are Christians crazy? Do we really comprehend the reality of the cross? You know, we, we take the cross and we make it a symbol of our faith. We wear the cross as a piece of jewelry. We hang it as a symbol in our homes. We use it as a symbol in our churches. We don't do that with the guillotine. We don't do that. We don't fashion electric chairs into precious metal and wear those around our neck. That's because, or, you know, the cross, the cross is an instrument of, of punishment for the most guilty of criminal and the lowest of slaves. The, the cross is an instrument of death. And yet uh, this tor this mechanism of torture, the, a tool of wrath, but church, the cross is the power of God. First Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross is folly to those who are perishing. You know, to some, the cross is a stumbling block. The thought of God coming and flash to the earth, for some, the teaching that the Messiah would be crucified, it's unthinkable. To those that are perishing, the thought of this whole idea of Jesus dying for our sins was, is foolishness. Some do not believe that God loves them. And so the thought that, that God would sacrifice himself for their sin is foolish. Uh, so for, their, for their sin is foolish. But to those of us who are being saved, the cross is the power of God. That's why Paul said to the Romans, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes Romans 1 16. John chapter one, verse 12, Jesus said, but to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right 
to become children of God. Right from the beginning of the book, if we were to turn to Genesis, we would see that God warned Adam that sin would result in death. When the Lord pointed to that tree in the Garden of Eden, he warned Adam and he said, the day you eat of that tree is the day you die. Sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all men sinned. See, as the scripture tells us, and as we know well in our hearts, the soul that sins dies. The wages of sin is death. And the message and the preaching of the cross is the power of God because it it declares that Christ Jesus took our guilt, took our sin, and bore it in his body on the tree. God has laid on him the iniquities of us all. And God's word declares, as we know, that by believing in Jesus, we receive forgiveness for all of the sins that we've ever committed. Does that sound foolish to you? Does your will and your mind stumble over those facts? Or do you rejoice in the power and in the wisdom of God? Do you rejoice that on the cross, Jesus set you free from the sin that was once destroying your life? If you think to yourself, I don't know, sounds kind of foolish to me then realize this, by definition, the scripture says that you are perishing. But the Bible also says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, to believe in Jesus is to be saved and to not believe in Jesus is to perish. We have to make a decision for Jesus. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 2.2. He said, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. When Paul said that, what he was saying is this. He was saying that the gospel, that knowing the crucified, risen Jesus was the singular passion of his life. That with his mind's eye, he wanted to behold Jesus with a clear and and pure perception and to lay hold of Jesus. To lay hold of him and to lay hold of him, Jesus said, you need to do this. You need to pick up your cross and follow me. That's why Paul said, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. See, Paul boasted in the cross. What does it look like to boast in the cross? What does that look like? Well, I would say this. First of all, it means this. We put no confidence in the flesh. Look at Philippians 3 verse 3. Which says, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. We murder the flesh. That's what we do. We crucify the flesh. We destroy its power utterly. We, we bring it's destruct. Well, what's implied in the scripture is that there is a, an intense pain involved with crucifying the flesh. Isn't that true? As we battle against sin in our lives and there's a pain involved with dealing with sin. It's a painful thing to put the flesh to death, but we are those who have had the old life removed. 
Like a dirty set of clothes, so filthy as to never be worn out again, worn again, we toss away the old nature and the old man and we live as Christ has called us to live. You know, spiritually speaking, the fleshly character of the old man must be put to death. Just like old yeller. You take him out back and you put him down. That's what has to happen to the flesh. You murder the flesh. We put no confidence in the flesh. You know, we used to put our confidence in the flesh. Our boasting at one time, like Jeremiah talked about, was in our wisdom, in our might, in our riches. At one time, we boasted, my own hands saved me. But with the knowledge of the gospel in our minds and the power of God in our hearts, we realize that the odds were so stacked against us because of our sin that we had no choice but to cry out, Jesus, save me. Save me, Jesus. And so we don't go back to boasting in wisdom. We don't go back to boasting in might and riches. We don't put our confidence in the flesh. Rather, we boast in Jesus Christ. We boast in the wisdom and in the might and in the riches of Jesus who bore our sins on that tree. Who bore our sins on his strong arms. See, Paul said, all is a loss for the sake of knowing Jesus. Philippians 3, 7 through 8. He said, but whatever gained I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. All is a loss for the sake of knowing Jesus. You know, so many people live their lives looking over their shoulders, trying to live in the past, living with the failure of the failure and the victories of the past. You know, and there's a certain value in looking back towards the past to see what God has done, to see where you have come from, but you can't move forward by looking back. You'll never move forward by looking back, at least you won't move forward in the right direction. The past is forgiven. And what God has done in your past is nothing compared to what he wants to do with your future. God wants to renew and start something in your life today. And I want to remind you from the scripture that all is lost compared to the sake of knowing Jesus. One thing I do, Paul said, forgetting what lies behind Straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. See, the only thing that counts for anything is a new creation. Romans 6, 6 says that we know that the old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. See, the death of the old man is an established fact. Spiritually speaking, you know, it happened when we were identified with Jesus' death at our salvation. The nature of the old man is deeply ingrained in every single one of us. And we need to recognize that the, you know, the old person, the old Matt can't turn over some new leaf, so to speak. Old Matt can't be reformed. Jesus put old Matt to death. And in old Matt's place is a new creation. The new born again Matt. See, in God's economy, 
In his economy, what matters is this. Have you been born again? A new man created according to God in righteousness and holiness. Ephesians 2.4. A new man renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Colossians 3.10. See, day by day, we put the old man to death and we let the new man the mind of Christ and the influence of the Holy spirit and the power of the word of God direct our will and our motion, our emotions and our actions. See, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. We put no confidence in the flesh. All is a loss for the sake of knowing Jesus. And the only thing that counts is a new creation. Paul said this, Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world.